The reading is taken from the first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, and you'll find, well, I've got the large print, I don't know whether it's the same page number. Anyway, it's chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. The day of the Lord. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Helen, and good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, Just before we um, begin, I just want to take an opportunity to 
uh, point out Louisa, who's over there. Do you want to stand up, Louisa? Um, Louisa is our safeguarding officer in the church. I think from time to time, it's good that we point her out to you um, as a church, because she's not always at the 9.15. But uh, Louisa's safeguarding officer, you can find her details in the fellowship area. And she's also uh, here um, supporting the Boys Brigade and Girls Association, which you'll have an opportunity to hear about later. So that's Louisa. Thank you. So over the, the last couple of months, we have as a church been thinking about uh, what it means to be church, and today gives us a, an opportunity to think more about that, to pray, and to respond to that. And we're exploring um, our opportunities to explore, uh, to serve, sorry, as a church. And to help us focus, we're dropping into this passage from 1 Thessalonians. So you might like to have that open. It's on page 1188, 1188. Let me pray as we begin. Our God, our Father, thank you for your word. And uh, we pray now as we explore it together that you will lead us by your spirits. May he be our teacher this morning. May we hear from you and respond in love. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got three uh, points to uh, draw out this morning to do relating with service. And I'll just give you them straight away. They are uh, serve in view of Jesus' return, uh, serve to build each other up, and serve through dependence on God. So that gives you a bit of a flavour of where we're going. The first is serve in view of Jesus' return. Verse 2, have a look at it with me. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Paul here is writing to the Thessalonian church and he wants to reassure them about the Lord's return. There was a lot of anxiety in the church. There was uh, a lot of concern, especially about those who had fallen asleep, uh, those who had died in, in the Lord. And he wants to write to them and to reassure the believers who were feeling insecure about this, thinking what's ha- happening to them, uh, etc. Uh, and he wants them to know that they are, they are safe and, and that they are safe. Uh, And so verse 5, he says, they are all children of the light, children of the day. And that's um, his way of saying that you are saved and uh, you are in the Lord and you are ready for the Lord's return, uh, whether awake or asleep. And the way to be ready uh, for Jesus' return is to have received salvation through faith in Jesus. And that's what it says there in verse 9. He reassures them by saying, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. So this is really, really, really important 
for us this morning before we start thinking about service and serving one another and God. Um, the question we have to first ask ourselves is, are we saved? For service uh, of God uh, can only, actually must only flow out from our salvation that's found in Christ. Jesus died for us. He saved us. If you think about it, he has served us first. So we're saved from the coming wrath. That's the the coming judgment. And so if we're here this morning and we have not put our trust in Jesus, you sense here that there's an urgency, isn't there? There's an urgency for us to do that, to trust in Jesus today. Today is the, the day of salvation and not to delay. For the reality is that without Jesus, God's wrath remains on us. We need, we must receive Jesus. He loves us and he wants us to be saved. And there's the urgency in verse 2. The urgency, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. Now, none of us know the day uh, when the Lord will return. None of us know the day when we uh, will, will meet him in death. Um, but we need to be ready, don't we? That, that's essentially what is being said here. And so I, I, I need to ask, are you ready? Are we ready? For those who have given their life to Jesus, and you've already given uh, and trusted in him, it's in view of that day. It's in view of Jesus' return that we then serve. It's out of that. Because we want, actually, fundamentally, others to be ready for the return of Jesus. Um, that's why we put a lot of emphasis in our vision, um, these little vision cards, to speak purposeful, purposefully growing in our witness. We want others to be ready through all kinds of activities within our church footprints, parish visiting, outreach, various forms of of different witness. So as we wait for that day, we serve. But we serve out of our salvation. Verse 8, by putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Faith, love, hope, that's something that recurs throughout Paul's writing, faith, love, hope. How do we live in this? And how do we serve out of this salvation that we have? And that leads us to my second um, point here. Serve in order to build each other up. Look with me at verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. So not only um, is our vision very much about speaking, it's also about building up others. Build, purposeful building up of disciples. That's what we want to be as a church. And so in this next section um, that Paul writes here from verses 11 through to 15, he doesn't give us so much a a kind of sustained argument about something. He kind of gives us a, a, a number of instructions or exhortations uh, a rather like a number of pearls on a, on a thread. Uh, and he wants us to hear each of them 
And the common thread is to build each other up. So let's take a look at these these little pearls um, that he gives us. Verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. So there are those who have a particular responsibility within any fellowship for the well-being, the spiritual well-being of the church. Yes, this is about ministers, but it's more than just that. It's about our leadership. It's about our PCC. It's about our leaders' council. It's about those who lead our children in youth work, who lead small groups, who lead our, our musical worship, and various aspects of our leadership within the church. It says they're to be held in high regard because they work hard. Uh, they work to serve Christ's church. How are we to do that, hold them in high regard? Well, it's not uh, done in some sort of slavish, uh, kind of sycophantic uh, manner where we can't question anybody who's in um, leadership. That's not what is meant here. But it's to acknowledge that many who fulfill leadership roles uh, do it from uh, a basis of volunteering. They have other jobs, work commitments. And so they um, are due respect and honour and high regards because verse 12 tells us they care for you in the Lord they care for you in the Lord their leadership is in the Lord and and in that sense they are answerable to to God aren't they but they are answerable answerable to him and they admonish they teach they guide they pastor they correct they direct It doesn't mean that we suspend our brains and we think that somehow uh, they are infallible or I'm infallible because we're not. We're going to make mistakes. We do make mistakes. Yet it's about faith, hope and love, isn't it? It's about thinking about deliberately how can we support and build one another up in the Lord. Now, did you notice at the end of verse 11, it says build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Notice that phrase, just as you are doing. It's, I think it's really important and it's really true for us when we have a day like today, when we're thinking about service, uh, to acknowledge that many of us, many of you are doing things already in service of the, the church. Um, so let's not uh, miss that fact. Yes, there are gaps and there's opportunities, Um, but many of you are already very involved, and that's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a precious thing, something to be celebrated and rejoiced in. And so as we do this, um, we look at the end of verse 13, uh, and verse 13 starts to make some sense. It says, live in peace with each other. Or literally, um, it's the word for harmony, live in harmony with one another. And that, that picture of harmony is, is quite a good one, I think. It reminds me of a choir, because a choir sings in harmony, doesn't it? A choir isn't passive. It works best when it's working together. It needs leadership. It needs direction, because otherwise it would be disjointed, different parts going off in their own direction. That wouldn't be helpful, would it, for the harmony? Equally, not everyone can be 
treble, is that what it's called? A, a bassist? Yes. <laughs> you see how I'm not very musical at all. Those have different parts, aren't they, in a choir? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Liam's looking very quizzical at me. Um, not everyone can be a soloist, can they? But a solo is, a, is good at times for the, for the well-being and the harmony of the choir to make a, a, a joyful sound. But it's not about the individual performances, is it? It's about the collective harmony. Um, now, we all have a part to play. Uh, some of us have a bigger part, some of us have a smaller part, but we all have a part to play in making the harmony happen. And, and leadership here is characterised by hard work, it says, and, and not everyone, of course, can offer that for a variety of reasons. You, we all have different circumstances. But what does faith, love and hope look like in church with those who lead? Well, it looks with respect. So when we disagree, when there is something that we don't agree with, we don't go after people immediately trying to to harangue them or or, or correct them. We take a deep breath. We we pray. we, We ask, how can we serve? How can I speak with one another in order to build one another up? Because we want, like, singing to be singing from the same hymn sheet, don't we? We want people, ultimately, to be ready to meet Jesus. We want to be ready, and harmony is helpful in order to, to bring that, that goal. Anyway, back to the string of pearls. It, it goes on in verse 14, with lots of exhortations. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Um, it's true, isn't it, that there are always those in church who, who let everyone else do everything. Um, and that's not to say, um, it's not that those who, for whatever reason, can't do something, it's not, it's not about those people. There are often good reasons why people can't do things. Um, but it's really those who could do something, but, but don't, isn't it? And notice the where the warning, or who brings the warning to the idle and the disruptive. It actually isn't here from the leaders. Because you notice it says brothers and sisters, and it's talking about, actually, this is everybody's job. This is your job in order to um, uh, uh, warn and urge those who are idle and disruptive. It gives us a picture of a fellowship that is serving one another, uh, where we don't dissolve, devolve, not dissolve. (laughs) We don't devolve all responsibility to the vicar or the PCC or to the staff team, but we're all involved in, in helping those who are idle and disruptive. Everyone can be involved in this kind of ministry. Warn those who are idle, warn those who are disruptive. Um, why? Why should we be concerned about this? Well, because Jesus is coming, isn't he? That's the whole emphasis of what we said, in view of God's, of, in view of Jesus's return. We want to get on with the job that really matters, don't we? About telling people about the Lord's, the coming wrath and the, and the need to, for salvation, the need to turn to him and to trust in him. 
And so idleness and disruption, disruption can be so um, debilitating to that, it can really thwart it. And of course, how we do that is really, really important. We do it carefully, we do it graciously, we do it lovingly with, a, with faith and with love and with hope. Back to the pearls, verse 14, there's these lovely exhortations, encourage the disheartened. Um, there are those in church who, who are timid, there are those who are feeling um, down and maybe you're feeling disheartened this morning for whatever reasons, wounded by life. Um, maybe your dreams have been shattered and need someone to walk alongside them, to encourage them, to serve them, uh, to show practical hospitality and love. And, and so maybe there are people here who are encouragers, who can encourage the disheartened. Help the weak, it says. There are those who are easily ignored, aren't there? Those who are vulnerable in our community, those who are physically perhaps disabled or have special needs, those who struggle to get to things because they're housebound. Let's think how we can serve them. How can we love them rather than ignoring them? And so as we do that, we will have opportunities to speak of the Lord Jesus and point them to his salvation. And finally, be, and be patient with everyone. Be patient with everyone. <laughs> that everyone's quite in your face, isn't it, when you think about it? I mean, I don't know about you, but I find this really difficult. How do we be patient with absolutely everyone? I mean, it's just true, isn't it? We, there are always going to be people that we find more awkward than others. It's, just, it's our human, our sinful nature. And yet, Paul calls us to be patient to give them time, to give them space, to show them love, and so serve them. And so bring a word of encouragement to them. What a, what a brilliant church this is to, to be a part of, to serve in that Paul is um, showing us here. But often and sadly, it's not always like that, is it? And so verse 15, he has to say, make sure that nobody pays wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. You know, as we go around later um, and look at the different opportunities um, to serve, I just encourage us to find, you know, maybe one, maybe two at the max of different things that we could explore uh, in ways to serve. But whatever we do is part of St. John's. Uh, in the way that we're called. Let's be doing, as it says here, um, to be good for each other, to do good to each other, uh, to be kind to one another. And so Paul um, writes to the Thessalonian church. He tells them to put on faith, love and hope. And he exhorts them to serve in a way that builds up each other, to do good to each other. And that leads us to a final point, which is about serving through dependence on God because we've, we've been introduced to this string of pearl of things and exhortations the things that we can do but what's really important that we do it through being dependent on God and if you notice the focus here is especially on prayer that we serve being dependent on God through prayer uh, look at all the prayer that happens from 16 onwards Rejoice always, pray continually. 
Give thanks in all circumstances. And then verse 23, he breaks out in prayer for the Thessalonian church. He says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 25, he asks them to pray for us, to pray for him. What are we like at St. John's? Are we praying continually as we seek to serve? You know, we've got, we look around, we've got loads of clipboards, haven't we? We've got loads going on. Um, it's brilliant. There's an abundance of opportunity for us to serve, to do good things, to share our life together, to share the gospel, to speak of him. And of course, in that, we want to be organised, we want to plan, it's important that we, we do that, that is good. But here's the thing, let's not forget, we are not an organisation. We're not an organisation, we're, we're a church. We're not the kind of religious version of BP, or, or the NHS, or uh, John Lewis, or whatever it might be. We're, we're a church, we're a fellowship of believers. And the church should be, should be a place where we can rest in God, rest in him, where we can be dependent on him. There's a, um, a song I came across this week by an American called Ken Medema, and uh, he wrote a song called If This Is Not A Place. And I'm going to read the words to you. I'm going to read them because I'm no choir. And I thought, listen to these words. If this is not a place. If this is not a place where tears are understood, then where shall I go to cry? And if this is not a place where my spirit can take wings, then, shall, then where shall I go to fly? I don't need another place for trying to impress you with just how good and virtuous I am. I don't need another place for always being on top of things. Everything, everybody knows that that's a sham. I don't need another place for always wearing smiles, even when it's not the way I feel. I don't need another place to mouth the same old platitudes. Everybody knows that it's not real. So if this is not a place where my questions can be asked, then where shall I go to seek? And if this is not a place where my heart cry can be heard, where, tell me, where shall I go to speak? So if this is not a place where tears are understood, where shall I go, where shall I go to fly? What is church really all about? If you think about your Many of you in, in workplaces, you know, you go to a workplace, an organisation, and what do you do? You go to perform, don't you? You go to uh, do the tasks within that organisation to fulfil the expectation upon you. Um, your employers are interested in your utility of what they can get out of you, what the bottom line is to make money, usually, or, or what is it like in a school or a university? Um, 
You've got to push yourself, make the grades, be someone, achieve something. How many of us need another place like that? Church isn't a place like that. How many of us want a church like that? And so you see what I'm trying to say. Our dependence on God is so important when we think about service because our serving is not the end in itself. To kind of a place to perform or a place to impress God or impress others around us. That's not why we serve. Because all we must do is to be rooted in continuous prayer. We must be led by the Lord Jesus. Verse 16, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so we must not, as it says in verse 19, quench the Spirit. How do we... How can we quench the spirit? Well, we can do that by not listening to him, not coming to him in prayer, not listening to his word. By not, verse 21, treating prophecies with contempt. Of course, as we think God is saying something to it, needs, it needs weighing, it needs, it needs testing against the scriptures, but let's, not, let's be more and more dependent on him. That's what he wants, isn't it? On his leading, on the spirit as we seek to serve. So as we serve, we need to be dependent on God in prayer and in his word. And as we conclude, you know, you and I are here, we're not employees. In fact, I would also say you're not here as volunteers either. In fact, I think the word volunteer should be banned in churches. Because it's not a biblical word. It's not a Christian word. We're here because we're disciples of Jesus. We're followers of him. We follow him. And therefore we seek to serve him and seek to serve those around us. And therefore we're not here to try and sort of treat people the same, to, to you know, turn the handle of the sausage factory and create... Uh, you know, exactly the same people. Because we're not an organisation. What are we? We're a family. The image of family. Do you notice the, the words brothers and sisters is used repeatedly and repeatedly through this letter? Because we're a family. God has made us a family. And a family functions well, doesn't it, when it's serving each other. And so we have a, a, a heavenly father, don't we? We have our our Lord and Saviour, who is, as the scripture says in Hebrews, our elder brother. Jesus is your elder brother. And we have one spirit by which he leads us together for his purposes. So the way way that we're going to build one another up uh, is expressed in our service to one another because we're a family. Just as Christ has served us, through dying for us, we then respond in serving him. We're not here as some sort of utility to kind of get the most out of you, to crank some handle. That's really not what it is about. We're not an organisation, we're a family, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we serve first and foremost out of that, out of what he's done for us. Shall we pray? Let's pray.
God, our Father, thank you for your word. Thank you um, that it reminds us that we need to be ready for the Lord's return. And if there's anyone here who has not given their life to the Lord Jesus, I pray, Father, that you would meet them in that and that they may know that Jesus came to die for them, to rescue them. And so, Father, as we think about serving, we, we pray that we'd seek to do that as a response to your salvation, in view of your salvation, and we pray that it would be to build one another up. And we pray especially that we'll be dependent on you in all that we do, that our love for you and our love for one another would pour out in service of you, in Jesus' name. Amen.